This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today we have one of my favorite ladies on the planet, and specifically in the insurance industry, Monica Edwani, my friend and partner in Savatel Virtual Professionals. What's up, Monica? What's up, Dave? I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We were just talking about how horrible the weather has been. And it's crazy. You know, we talked about this on an earlier podcast today, too, but most people don't think about it. You automatically think, oh, man, I bet it's scorching in Florida. It's not. Not like it is everywhere else. I mean, it's not. It's a different kind of hot. Yeah, it's different than it normally. It's certainly hotter than it normally is this time of year. Mm -hmm. But I bet you I bet you'd be surprised when I tell you this, that we have never in history recorded a temperature above 99 degrees in Tampa. Really? We get feels like temperature. Yeah. We don't get the actual temperature. Wow. So it yeah it's it's crazy um, to yeah. think that but anyhow before we uh, go on the wild ride why don't you sort of tell everybody your backstory as to how you got into insurance and what got you to where you are today and then we'll dive in and just pepper you with a bunch of questions. Oh my okay well don't be easy they're softball. <laughs> well just like everybody else insurance to me was by chance I actually went to school for medical uh, and business management because my my mom is a pharmacist, my uncles, I have doctors as uncles. So I went to school for that. And when I moved to Massachusetts about 18 years ago, I came to work at a lab um, following the the degree that I, I actually got. And then a year into the job, they decided to move to California. So I I was jobless and I applied for the Research Institute for Safety with Liberty Mutual, which was supporting researchers on the insurance space, ergonomics and whatnot. And that's how I entered the insurance world. I actually was supporting the researchers that were doing all the different um you know, magazines and whatnot, and all the different studies behind using, let's say, you know, the seatbelt or, you know, ergonomics at work and things like that. And 
I fell in love with the industry and then went to work uh, on the management uh, rotation for Liberty. Um, and there I did eight years and then I moved to the independent channel after that, which was when Namoli and Gold opened their agency. So I went to work with them and it was my first time as independent agent. So did y'all know each other at Liberty? Yes, we did. Yeah, that's what I wondered. I mean, not like Liberty's a small com- company and certainly not a small company in Boston, but yeah. I had always wondered if you, y'all knew each other from your days there before yeah. you, went, you went and worked with them at GNN. Yeah, we did. We did. Zach was in Boston and um, Matt was in Birmingham and I worked at both offices. So it was very interesting. So what was it like for you? You walk into an independent agency the first time versus working for Liberty Mutual, who's like kind of this gargantuan insurance carrier. Yeah, it was interesting because it was like four of us and everybody was doing everything. So I went to do sales operations. I went to like, you know, delivering mail. We did what needed to get done. Customer service, you know, whatever hat it fit. I was like, oh my God, I was going crazy, right? I will work. And I had a newborn at that point. Um, so it was really interesting, the ride on how everything unfolded from there, because we were all learning the, at the same time. They were learning. I was learning. It was a wild ride. It was very, it's interesting to watch or even to talk. I don't know Zach well at all. I know Matt pretty well. I talked to Namoli on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah. To watch what Zach posts on social and read that and digest it and to talk to Namoli, it's interesting for them to reflect back and mm-hmm. get their thought process because I think that a lot of times every agent out there who sees anybody with any type of public facing persona is everything's perfect. It always works out right. And mm. everything runs no. very, very smoothly. <laughs> and, you know, that's how people get insurance famous. I honestly believe that, yeah. right? Well, I appreciate the fact that they're actually, I don't want to say come and clean because it's not like they hid it from anybody. You know, yeah. they didn't mislead anybody, but to reflect back and get that perspective on, wow, I can remember, you know, I remember Monomoli put something out the other day about, you know, the credit cards, we're almost all completely maxed out. We did this, yeah. we did that. And, you know, now yeah. Matt has a, they had a very successful exit. He's got a successful career in investing in insure tech and other things. And yeah. it's like, you would never expect that to come from him, but that's really the messaging that the agents that are out there in the trenches need to hear. They don't need to hear that everything's perfect. They don't, what they need to hear is yeah. we can get a really good exit on your agency. If you can overcome all of this stupid stuff we did. And I think the more of us that are willing to share the stupid stuff, the stronger the agents that hear it are going to get. No, I remember that we went through everything there. Like we had to let go of staff. We had to use lines of credit. Some, you know, I remember that, you know, we had to stop payments to like leadership for like in order to make payroll. It was a little bit of everything. You know, it was a wild ride and it was a great learning experience. And I think me, me personally, I was Matt's right hand, right? So I got to become the leader I am today because I got to experience all of that as well. And it was interesting, you know, we'll talk at all times, midnight, 
three o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, like it, an idea will come up and be like, oh, this can be a worse solution. So it, it was, it, it's an interesting, uh, it's an, it's an interesting journey. And I think, you know, like you said, a lot of people see the shining star, but what goes behind scenes and goes at 10 to five o'clock in the morning is what people don't talk about. Uh, and it's important to put it out there because there is a lot of hard work that goes behind scenes by everyone involved, um, not just the principal, but everyone that is supporting them as well. So Matt and Zach exit. You're gone from GNN. What what happens for Monica next? Yeah, so <laughs> I went to a discovery uh, process because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I took a couple of, uh, of meetings just to figure out what was out there. And then I decided to open uh, a consulting firm uh, to help uh, agents, uh, agencies out there with their operations process. Uh, and that's how I met Troy. Uh, well, not met Troy. I have met Troy before, but I became to work uh, hand in hand with him. Um, and then I actually took an opportunity here with one of the most, the biggest traditional um, agencies. And I say traditional because they, they've been in the industry for like over 100 years, uh, being their VP of sales and marketing. So I was, you know, focusing on seeing how I could make it work as a consultant and as a, uh, as a third party basically. Um, and that's how I became, you know, in tune with uh, Pinnacle and Savital and then the other agency I was working with here. Um, and it was a it was a fun ride for for a little bit. Uh, but then I, I figured that I'm like, no, I can't really do this too long with too many people. It's, it's too much responsibility. Everybody's different. All the principles they are, I love you all, but you're all very, very difficult to deal with. Um, <laughs> what, what kind of consulting were you doing? And, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to do something on my own. I was starting to focus a lot in the Hispanic community. And what I was doing wasn't really serving the purpose that I wanted to accomplish. So I, I left all of that, of the consulting uh, stuff, uh, and partner up with uh, BRC Insurance, which is where I am today, uh, with uh, Tiago and the team, uh, which we are serving the Hispanic community, uh, mostly on commercial lines. And I am having a, so much fun because I, I get to serve my own people in my own language. And there is just so much education that needs to be done for our community. And I'm really, really thriving and very, very happy uh, with serving our Hispanic and Latino community now. Well, I think that's important for any job. You have to have a sense of purpose aside from making a paycheck to really have your career be fulfilling. And it doesn't matter what you do. And I would argue I'm the easiest agency principal in the country to deal with as long as you're doing things my way and you're doing them right. But listen, I'm not going to argue with you. I deal with a bunch of them myself. So 
I get it. But it's no, tough. You know, you're a blessing to a lot of people. Unfortunately, I don't have the same patience. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't chalk it up to patience, Monica. I don't I just I put up with not very much, to be honest with yeah. you. And that, that all that has the that's same a effect. Skill as I need well. to learn. <laughs> yeah, it, it has the same effect. Anyhow, well, I know you have your podcast. You still, I mean, yeah. do you, you're still doing Transcend with M? Yeah, Transcend with M is kicking. So we talk are, about that a little bit. Yeah, we are about 160 episodes now. Uh, there you go. Yeah, we're interviewing amazing women uh, in the industry, outside the industry, CEOs, entrepreneurs, a little bit of everything. But our focus is their stories and stories of resiliency and helping other uh, entrepreneurs understand that they don't have to go through their journey alone. So, yeah, no, Transcend With Them, it's it's amazing. We have a lot of speaking engagements, a lot of events around the area and around the country. Um, we are actually now on our second book contribution, which is awesome. And no, that's the third job, I guess. <laughs> you, Got your hands full. You, I, don't, I don't think that I've seen that she's been on your podcast. And so I will make this introduction. But if you want to have a dynamic lady on your podcast that's in the insurance industry, but is a recovering attorney, Crystal <laughs> Ware is fantastic. She's no, she, no, I have not had her out of out of Houston, Texas. And very, very active on LinkedIn, but she would be perfect for your audience. We've had her Amazing. on twice yeah, at we, least, right? Yeah. Well, no, we had her on and then we did a whole series of shop talks with her too. Right, like right, five, right, right. There you go. Five yeah. or six episodes of that because people were so interested in hearing what she had to say. Now, the, in, the agency you're at now is completely different than what GNN was like, correct? Very different. So talk very, about that a little bit. Total opposite. Yeah, yeah. So, Talk about that because I had the pleasure of hearing Tiago speak yeah. out in Phoenix. Yeah. So to tell you that I had to relearn everything that I had learned <laughs> for the past 16 years, it's an understatement. So it's a very different animal. Uh, nothing that I ever experienced before, of course, uh, because I've only had the pleasure to deal with three agencies before coming to, to, to VRC. Um, but basically we are a technology company that happens to sell insurance. Okay. We are powered by technology. Everything that we, we do is based on AI and based on uh, delivering the best customer experience that we can to the client. And we do that by selling insurance. Right. So um, it's a very different concept because everything we do, it's translated to the languages and the preference of the individual. So when it comes to sales service and everything we do right now, our three primary languages are English, Portuguese and Spanish. So our staff has to be trilingual. Everybody that works for us on the IT side as well has to be trilingual. They need to get their hands dirty on the insurance process. And it is amazing what we can achieve with technology. The, the thing is for us that we recognize that the human factor will never go away. 
But what we can enable that human factor to do by utilizing and leveraging technology, it's amazing because I can have the results that I have because I use technology to our favor. And for being a five-year-old company with the size that we currently are at, we wouldn't be able to achieve that if it wasn't for the amazing uh, technology team that we have and is, is proprietary. So we don't use third parties. Everything is being built internally with us. Are you commercial, personal, both? We're both, but mostly commercial. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. More, more AI talk after, uh, after our <laughs> last episode that was <laughs> leaving David and I's head spinning with, yeah. uh, with CJ and all of his AI talk. Yeah. yeah so what we do, we focus on the language. So everything we do starts with the language. Uh, which is a, a little bit of a different way, and I think a very unique way, which no one has tried before. So we lead with the language, and then we follow process based on language. You mean like what language your prospects speak? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that is correct. Because every okay. yeah, you know, there's no way we're not going to ask you to get into that more. So yeah, go I'm going to need some get on down the road. Yes. So it is very interesting. Uh, every culture is different too. So by speaking their language, understanding their culture, how they buy, how they they like to be serviced, uh, the speed of how you can achieve things uh, all plays an, an amazing role into uh, succeeding. So everything we do is based on those factors. Gotcha. Virtual professionals. You knew it was going to come up in conversation. We are we are tied at the hip in that industry. How did you get there? Yeah, so that came that idea uh, came from from Troy, uh, and since I was you know helping helping him uh, with the sales and and his process at the agency. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to help or if I wanted to be part of it. And I was, I was like, I don't know. Like <laughs> I never thought I, I've worked with, you know, BAs for the past nine years at GNN. So I was like, I think I have some experience that I can help with. Um, and we, we kicked it off and it was amazing because building something from the ground up, uh, based on understanding the struggles of what an agent goes through instead of creating a process because we think it's going to help, but it's proven that it's going to help, it's a big difference. So it was very amazing and rewarding to be able to get at, you know, Sabatel off the ground with Troy and the team um, just because it was a challenge. It started from zero. And I've never had the opportunity to do that before. So it was a great learning experience and continues to be. What what would you say is the biggest thing you learned? Like what were some of the roadblocks you guys hit? We still hit them, man. (laughs) It's still a work in progress. 
Um, I, I can I give think, you a big one. I'll give yeah. you one and then I'll get the, the uncomfortable one out of the way. And Monica can say something nice so that she doesn't look like she's the bad guy. How about agents that sign up for a virtual professional service and expect them to know every single thing they need to know mm-hmm. about how to run a desk in that specific agency on day one, right? Yeah. Or you could say agents, and it's not agents, it's end users. And it's it's like everything else in life, man. People learn how to buy by how the marketplace conditions them they should buy. So mm-hmm. I feel like three or four years ago, the VA term started popping up and you'd see more people talk about, oh, I just hired another VA or I did this. And the threads would be a mile long in the different groups. And everybody's trying to figure out where they got them from. What do you have them do? How much do they cost? What you don't ever hear anybody say is you better have processes and procedures in place for your agency before you ever think about doing this, because it is a nightmare if you don't. There's a reason why. I did not bring in virtual professionals on the service side of the business here at Florida Risk until I had engaged with Peggy Corbett to come in and be a Hawksoft consultant to us and train the VAs or VPs rather on processes, procedures, best practices related stuff. Kyle, could you imagine if no. I brought a VA, virtual professional? It doesn't make sense. Why would somebody think that a virtual professional would be able to come in unless they were an expert in yeah. in Hawksoft and be able to know what the hell they were doing? Exactly. But people it think happens. that. And then, and, know, they, and then they get upset and irritated that the VA is not getting the workload done. Look, I... I'm going to be as transparent as I can be, man. I got six virtual professionals from Savitel in our agency right now. You know, firsthand, I spent an hour or longer with two of them today. I spent, I've got another call tomorrow with four. Grayson manages two of them on the editing and the content production side. So he keeps that off my plate, but he's in touch with them every single day and we're always going back and forth through microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. so i say that because what does that sound like it sounds like they're actually team like they're employees of the company exactly yeah right. they need to be treated that way i mean yeah it's really that easy why would you i don't know i feel like so much of the stuff we talk about on here feels like common sense to me mm-hmm. but maybe that's just because maybe that's just because i'm I'm in it every day, but like, it's just kind of like who sits there and thinks that like there are people out there that think that like, why, what's wrong with you? A lot of people. And I think also one of the biggest things that they don't they, like, you know, people that is looking for a VP take into consideration is that not only you need to understand why you need them, but you need to understand what the ROI on that is going to be. If you're coming blind to say, I just need one person that can process this many tasks for me, it's not going to work. It's not going to work because if you're just expecting for this person to process and process and process without having a goal in mind or without understanding why they're doing the job or you understanding why you need that done, it's not going to work because you're never going to be satisfied with whatever it is that they are doing behind scenes. Because the goal is not clear. The ROI is not clear. So I think, you know, having a conversation for the sake of having the conversation and thinking that you can get it for $3 an hour, you know, it's it's just so unrealistic that 
you know, the fail rate on that will be 99.9%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even with the appointment setter stuff, we have had success with appointment setters. Other agencies in Killing Commercial have had success with appointment setters and others others haven't. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you unequivocally that if I look at the people who have not had the same level of success and I take all the other pe- the people who have and I say, what's different? It's the fact that the people who have had success invested in the process, not just from a money standpoint, yeah. but look, you can't expect the way you talk to somebody, not, not necessarily the way, but you know this as well as I do. People in Birmingham, Alabama are not going to have a conversation that sounds anything at all like people from Boston. No. Dialect is different. You know, <laughs> you, the people in Birmingham have twang, but also difference in decision-making and thought-making processes, depending on how were they were raised, what part of the country they were raised in. I remember moving to Birmingham the first time, and it's the only place I've ever lived when you that when you put your turn signal on, the person in the other lane actually slowed down to let you over in front of them. Like that, that's how they how they were driving there when we first met. Whereas you move down here, you put your blinker on. People speed up. Just, they speed up. So you got to give them the fake move to back them <laughs> off. And then you cut over once you once you back them off. But I mean, you can't expect agencies to be the same. And that's what I've always mm-hmm. said when I talk to people about what it's like to use virtual professionals. You you have to understand that even if they have experience in Hawksoft, even if they have experience in your CRM or whatever else, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they have experience in your agency's instance of Hawksoft and how you have it set up and how it's going to work. And you've got to have the ability to train them on that and show them. And so what we've done, and actually I've done it through the assistance of our virtual professionals, I, I got to... I have to uh, to brag on on Peggy Corbett for a second. She does an awesome job of training people on Hawkstock. Fantastic job. You know, Chris Paradiso is the one who recommended her to me. He mm-hmm. said she's the best. If he says that, I'm good. So we hired Peggy. And the thing that's nice about how Peggy operates is when she's done with the training, I get an email recap. I get a copy of the video of the training and I get a copy of all of the PDF attachments that were part of it. And so what we've done, and we told her we were doing this, is we created a intranet. We created a SharePoint site. And Huma's in the process now of building out the library inside of SharePoint so that as we bring more and more virtual professionals on, we have the ability to not only run them through total CSR to get the general industry understanding, but mm-hmm. we can run them through our own training that we built as a learning management system because yeah. we have all of that information. I didn't have a lot of the policies and procedures. And that's one of the things I think people, you know, people in my role typically maybe have a leg up on me because I think a lot of agency principals at some point or another, especially as a family agency, probably worked every desk. I never did. I've never been a service person. I've never worked on the service side of the, of the house. So I don't know how to structure my day to be an effective account manager. Now I could figure it out if I was trained, but 
It just yeah. wasn't the path that I went. So I'm never going to be the best person to train my CSRs and account managers. I have to bring somebody in from the outside. And, you know, we made the decision when Kim passed away unexpectedly last year that we were going to start augmenting with virtual professionals because we felt like that's the way things were going and we needed to be part of it. Um, and so that's that's when we made the decision uh, to start figuring out how we were going to do that. And it's it's not easy. Um, it's not any easier than bringing a, a new employee up to speed. That's kind of our job. Like, I mean, yeah. You know, I it's mean, your I, job to train and develop and lead your people. It doesn't matter whether they're a 1099 or a W-2. It doesn't matter if they're virtual or if they're in person. It doesn't matter commercial, personal lines, whatever else. If your name is on the door of the building or you're the owner of that operation, I don't care what you have to say. It stops with you, period. It's yeah. very, very rarely somebody else's problem in the agency. It starts at the agency principal. And they have to accept that. And if you want that responsibility, stay an agency principal and do your best to be the best agency principal you can be. And if you're not the right person, do what I did and find the right person that's world class. And then don't bitch about paying them what they're worth to come in and do their job. <laughs> right? Like I think I, that's really important. <laughs> yeah, because I go to Peggy and she gives me her pricing. I told her I thought I didn't think she charged enough based on what I thought she was going to have to do when she came in here. Meanwhile, 80% of our peer group probably looks at it and is like, oh, man, I'm not paying that much. Meanwhile, they're going to flounder around. They're going to lose three times that much money in inefficiency in their agency. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get off the, uh, the get off my lawn stuff because I'm going to get irritated. But I see this all the time. And it's it's not just. It's not just the usual suspects, right? Yeah. Social media allows us to identify the usual suspect. You always know who's going to have the snarky remarks in the forums online. It's it's always the same people. You know who's going to complain about the carriers. You know who's going to complain about the hard market. You know who's going to ask if you're open on Memorial Day. Like It's all the same stuff. It's cyclical in there, right? I don't know. <laughs> I think one of the of the biggest things I always asked, you know, and, and for me too, it's like, how am I going to show up for my team? Like I tell you right now, I hire everyone green in, in the agency. So I, I spend, and it's part of my week that I spend six to seven hours a week training my people in whatever it is that we think it's necessary based on the errors and based on the Q, uh, quality control that we see. But as, as an agency principal, you have, to, you have to have clear, how do you wanna show up for your people? Because like, how can you expect for them to perform similar to what you do if you don't take the time to teach them how you operate, mm -hmm. right? So I think, you know, I understand that we have a lot to handle and there is, you know, not enough hours during the day. But if you really, really want to gain back that time, you really need to invest the time. Because once you invest that time and you have a team running at an exceptional level with the efficiency that you want, then you can kick back and say, okay, now I can have these people train these other people and you can you know, be a catalyst of growth internally without having 
to sacrifice too much, you know, down the road. No, you do it the one time and and train, you know, train the people up front the right way so that it can, it can, it can grow over the course of time. I mean, just like you would with any employees that you have, like (laughs) again. And David, the, the, the sharp, the, the share point is so important. We call it something differently. We have another system because we run on Google, but like based on those trainings, we have been able to create assessments that we give everyone. It's like, what did you learn from this? How, you know, like just to check on that knowledge. And I don't have to repeat that training ever again. I only, I only dedicate five to six to seven hours a week on new stuff that they don't know about because all that training is already there. So record yourself. You don't need a professional, you know, camera crew coming to record your training. Like Zoom is great. So I think, you know, utilizing those tools and understanding that, you know, if not you, then who, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And if not you, then like you said, hire, (laughs) hire for training. Because the biggest thing that agencies lack is that training piece. And that's why we lose good people. Mm. I agree. And that's funny too, because... It's like the people who are bad at training and don't keep help domestically think they're going to solve that by putting a Band-Aid over it and getting virtual professionals, which require every bit as much training as somebody else does. And attention. I think think that's the part that's lost. I mean, I don't know how it got that way. I don't know if at some point that was the marketing messaging that you could get these people and they can step in and work a desk and do this and do that. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't know because probably, I, probably, yeah. you know, you can, I would, never, I would never four, expect four bucks somebody, a... Yeah. I would never expect to have a job interview with somebody and decide I wanted to move forward with that candidate. And then they show up day number one and I'm like, what's up, man? See ya. And they're on yeah. their own. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, that, that's why this whole, I'm like, what? There's people who think that that's weird. Why do yeah, you think no, that? I mean, they can have some knowledge, but like David said earlier, they don't know your agency. They're not going to yeah. know anything about right. your agency or how your agency operates. So it's almost, um, it's very unrealistic that they think that from day one, they're going to know what to do, how to do it and when to do it when, oh yeah, they can have some training, let's say on AMS 360 or some, you know, training in QQ or some training in, you know, single points or other Tarmica or some other systems, but they don't know how David runs a quote for commercial. They don't know how Kyle actually does his, uh, let's say, I don't know. Uh, Proposals, marketing drops. Any yeah, numbers? marketing drops, stuff like that. So you they need to spend the time and the process needs to be there mm-hmm. i agree i don't know what have we missed I feel like we've been we've been hammering on this i don't know monica what do you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet i don't know i don't feel i'm as dynamic being a guest as i am a host all right you're you're the host ask me a question you're the host now. actually how's um Something very controversial right now is the the market, right? Like there are no appointments in the market. And 
do you feel that there is a very different experience right now for agencies that are focused on personal than those are that are focused on commercial? What are your thoughts? I can only I can only answer based on what I see in Florida because I I you know it's it's different everywhere. Everybody's facing the hard market to a certain degree. I will tell you in Florida, it is exponentially harder for personal lines than mm -hmm. it is for commercial. I think that so far, and Kyle, you can jump in here too, but what I've seen so far is I've not really seen many clients that have already been within an admitted market that end up yeah. getting pushed to excess and surplus lines. I think everybody so far for me has stayed with an admitted market. What mm -hmm. I've seen more of is those accounts that were already in ENS are getting hammered with rate at renewal and they're staying yeah. in ENS. So I don't yeah. really talking about from a property standpoint exclusively yeah, or yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Pre predominantly. Right. Uh, but I, I don't see the carriers for new business. You can still get property with some of the carriers, but it's got to be exactly what they want. That's no different mm -hmm. than it's always been here. I don't think that they're taking I, I, on the on the commercial side. I've not seen as many non-renewals going out to people, um, so that we have to market and shop it. I also don't think that the carriers are just basically trying to hold still for right now. Like they're they're yeah. looking at it and say, I don't want to add, I don't really want to subtract, but I we got to make what we have profitable. Now there are carriers out there that are going to make broad sweeping non-renewals because their appetite has completely changed. I mean. Last mm -hmm. week, farmers pulled completely out of Florida, which I never understood why they came in to begin with. They, I mean, it, it was just, it seemed odd to me that they were here. Um, but that's kind of my thoughts. I think that, um, you know, risk management becomes a much bigger issue, especially in commercial. Yeah. I think as the market continues to harden, and even I think we're going to see some things happen in the economy as well that are going to probably not be overly favorable i think that credit risk becomes a much bigger deal i think uh -huh. that i think that people who have suppliers need to check the financial strength of their suppliers because if i'm a contract manufacturer uh -huh. and i buy component parts from somebody who's not financially stable and then they they end up going under uh -huh. i'm in trouble i'm gonna have to scramble yeah. I might have jobs that I've already been awarded that were based on very specific bid specifications. And now my uh, unit cost goes up by 20%. What do I do? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, the hardening market and insurance and the, the, some of the negative things that we've seen happen in the, in the economy, it's creating a bit of a perfect storm of just things that could happen that we don't always think about. That that means agents need yeah. to be on their toes and know the questions they need to ask. Yeah. And a lot, I was having a couple conversations last week and a lot of them are taking, I mean, I, I will say the easy route, which is selling, but that's going to get very complicated as well now with so many restrictions that are happening and and I'll be interested to see how that changes the way that agencies are getting acquired because now the growth over year over year is not guaranteed. Right. So what what are your thoughts on that? It's going to be technology based, the ones that are set up mm -hmm. more to to grow with the technology and have the things in place now 
Yeah, the, but you cannot guarantee the premium growth year over year because no, of you the can't. Market. Because here's the thing: I listened to when I was in Dallas speaking last week. One of the big, one of the top three wholesalers in the country had a representative there talking, and they, I was at a group that is an aggregator. So they were talking in aggregator, like aggregator terms and in, in terms of premium volume and all of that stuff. And they gave them their growth percentage over the, mm -hmm. as part like they, she was, the, the lady that got up was basically um, introducing me to get up and speak. And so they were delivering information. I'm not going to share it because that would not be kosher for me to talk about an aggregator's numbers when I was in their private meeting. But what I'm going to tell you that I found interesting was she said, here's your percentage growth. Of that percentage, this percentage is organic new business. And it was a much smaller number. And the thing that struck me about that was I wondered how many people in that room. And, and by the way, let me just make sure in case people are trying to be, you know, Columbo here and figure out who it was. They, they didn't have bad numbers. Okay, I'm not saying this mm -hmm. because they didn't have bad numbers. I'm not naming them because they had horrible numbers and I'm trying to protect them. It's just none of your business what their numbers are. And I was in a room where I heard them and I'm not going to repeat them. But I will yeah. say that this person gave the numbers about year, year over year, a new business growth or, or a growth of the book. Mm -hmm. And it was a much smaller number. So I'm going to use a hypothetical. if the new business growth or if the book growth was 30% year over year, 10% of that was organic new business. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I think that's interesting is because 20% came just because of rate increases and things like that. So when your rate increases and that stuff is outpacing your ability to go out and organically produce, that is going to feed you a massive problem because we all know that the rate increases don't just keep coming. At some point, the market softens and the rates start to drop again. And yeah. if you're not going out and getting enough new business in this economy, I mean, in this market, you are really setting your agency up for disaster when the rates soften yeah. because that money goes away just as easily as it came in and you can't do anything about it. You either have a very, very, very good renewal process yep. or your turnover on retention is going to eat you alive because it's just not going to stay. Um, what do you think are some of the, of the um, strategies that agents can use utilizing BAs or, you know, their staff to get ahead of the game because this is going to be a proactive game going forward. You, oh, yeah. you don't have, you, you don't have now the, the luxury of being reactive. Yeah, no, I think that um, utilizing virtual professionals is certainly one of those things, but you can't just end there. I'm a big fan of what David Watson's building with risk advisor, mm -hmm. where he now has software that is, is essentially replace it's a smart logic form that's replacing the normal intake forms that people have and i think that that's a genius way if you pair that with a virtual professional to give them sort of the the rails to stay on right because i, th I would think one of the things that people would be concerned with is whether or not 
a virtual professional knows the right questions to ask in mm-hmm. order to get the right, you know, to get a quote into the system or get the information into the system and generate a quote. Whereas with risk advisor, it's literally laying it all out question by question. And depending on how you answer the, the conditional logic opens up the next thing. I think that that is an easy way for every agency out there to navigate this market. I think the other thing they need to do is be proactive and educate your current book. You've yeah. got to tell your current book what's going on. If they don't understand what's happening, what are we really doing here? And then the other thing is we need to go ahead and educate our prospects as well. Content marketing should be huge right now because everybody's shopping, but everybody's also looking for answers. So if you yeah. have a good content strategy and you have things on Google, I think, you know, when pe- or things out on the internet, when people hit go to Google to look for the answer to their questions, you want to be the one who pops up. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing is agents need to understand you can't hide bad, bad news. Like you've got to get out mm-hmm. in front of it. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, um, if you've done your job to educate people, the market's hard and explain why I think people are going to understand why, you know, why rates are going up. If they don't, then we didn't do our job. Um, mm-hmm. but that also doesn't mean that you can go in with an account that's good that, you know, that was paying $20,000 and present a hundred thousand dollar renewal to that, like, and expect mm-hmm. them to be okay with it. Right. So you have to know how to position yourself and teach everybody, you know, what or teach your staff rather how to deliver that bad news. If I had a $20,000 renewal that's expiring and I have quotes for uh, 60,000 and a hundred thousand, that person, if I, if I go and lead with the $60,000 quote, they're going to be pissed. They're going to be pissed that it's triple. But if I lead with a $100,000 quote, that's five times as much and show them how bad the worst case scenario was. But hey, I got great news, man. We actually got you something for 40% less at 60 grand. This is the best I've seen for your class of business in this market. You might actually get a thank you from them and they'll be ready to buy in right away. So I think that the agents that don't have a hard time delivering tough news and a bad message are going to thrive. And the ones that don't have the backbone to do that and they hide behind things are going to end up getting squashed on the street. And I don't, you know, I don't want that to sound hardcore, but it's just the truth. You know, this is the the hard markets is when bad excuses come to the surface. It's true. It's true. No. And I, you know, that example that you just gave is the exact example that we use in our agency. I always tell them, don't present the cheapest or the middle. Always go from the most expensive and work your way down if you need to. Uh, because it's the only way to gain the trust of the client and also let them see that there is different possibilities. So I, I do agree with you on that. And I think that's an excellent way of uh, you know yeah. having that difficult conversation. Because I mean, right now, at least here in Massachusetts, I mean, I've seen rates going up 45%. It is something I've never seen before. And we we are in a state that is expensive as is, which people don't even want to buy. And right now, with the economy as is and a lot of small businesses closing, it is important that we show up proactively for our clients and for the community as well. 
Yeah. I mean, we did the same thing as, as far as the pitch high, watch and buy type of situation with when I was selling office supplies. I mean, if, I, if somebody said that they were looking for a new printer, I was going to, the first one I was going to pitch them was a, whatever, $1,400 laser jet. And then there would be one in the middle that is probably more suited to their needs. And then there'd be a super cheap one. And, yeah. um, you know, then that way they're, they're getting what they need. That's going to work for them. Um, and, and they're seeing that there are other options out there that are, uh, far, <laughs> far more costly than. Yeah. But I bet you had people buy the top of the line. Absolutely. I mean, I, and, I it's, and it's, and that. it's, he did. And, and that, and it's different than what we're talking about here, but similar concept. Right. No, I mean, I did the same thing, you know, when I was selling satellite dishes because you'd get down to the end of it. And part of what was, you know, the programming package were sold with the dish. So I always mm -hmm. started at the $69 a month programming package. Yeah. I think we had $69.59 and, and, and uh, 39 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's and like, why not spend lost, extra 10 you lost bucks? A bunch of, yeah, you lost a bunch of functionality by the time you got down to the bottom. So yeah. I always started them at the top and I never even pitched them the lowest option because by the yeah. time they found out what they lost between the top to the top tier and the secondary tier. Mm -hmm. now, no, I'm not going to lie. It was a bunch of dirty old men who wanted nudie movies and they weren't on anything <laughs> but the top tier. So that's why they went to it. But at the end of the day, you know, you start at the top and you work your way back. It works just the same when you have to deliver bad news. Nobody very few agents are going to have a quote for a hundred and a quote for 60 and go try and pitch the hundred and not show the other one. But I yes. think there's a lot out there that want to show the 60 because that's the one they're going to recommend. And they're not going to talk about the journey, not realizing that our clients don't have any idea what our marketing efforts are. We have to talk to them about that. We have to tell them what markets we approached, what feedback wow. we got from underwriting and all of that stuff. And so that's why I said, I mean, 99% of our industry boils down to communication or the lack thereof. It doesn't matter if it's your team, your mm -hmm. vendors, your carriers, your prospects, your clients, it's all communication. So focus on being the best communicator that you can be, and you're not going to have any issues with the rest of it. Yep. There you go, man. Awesome. All right. Cool. Well, here we go. We've been going about an hour. How do they get a hold of you, Monica? <laughs> They got a hold of me by calling um, or LinkedIn, Monica Duani on LinkedIn, or you can email me at mgadwani at gmail.com. Sweet. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, she has been Monica Edwani, one of my favorites by far. So Thank glad you to spend, guys. Yep. So glad to spend time with you today, Monica. Same here. Thank you for having me and thank you for being uh, willing to be interviewed. Absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Right. And by the way, ladies listening to this, if you want to listen to something that will empower you and help you get the most out of yourself, do yourself a favor and download the Transcend With Them podcast. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Everybody else, we will catch you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.